When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. It is an incredible honor to be with you on this very important day. You're about to hear some things you will only hear on EIB. On today, the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we'll live, be a great time to pray for less loss of life in, in the Middle East. Joe Biden called a lid yesterday, 334, as that was occurring. We will talk about that. Tony Fauci had a very lawyerly thing he kept saying to Rand Paul as Rand Paul was asking the Fauci about the, um, the, the, it's a fact that we funded the Wuhan lab, but was it for SARS-CoV-2 research? We'll talk about that. Fauci continued to repeat the same phrase over and over again. And gas prices and inflation have caused the Washington Post to do a really remarkable thing. When talking about inflation, they said, it doesn't look that bad if you remove food and gas from the calculations. In other words, <laughs> the very things people need to buy then it doesn't look that bad. Now, we're about to do something on the program that's never been done. You're about to hear the premiere of a podcast about Rush done by my friend, James Golden, who you know as Bo Snurdly. We welcome him now to the show. James Golden, it's, it's bizarre for me to say welcome to the show that you were such a part of, but James, welcome to Rush's program. Todd, it is an unbelievable honor, and uh, I'm just... Uh, blown away to be here with you, and thank you so much. Oh, of course. I, I this this may be inside baseball, but I want someone. To, I want folks to understand something about this man, James. Whenever I do this program, there's three words that are on a post-it note. It says "relax, pace, enjoy," because James has held the hands of a lot of a lot of guide hosts and guest hosts through the day, and he's meant the world to me in terms of doing this an okay job. But I feel nervous talking to James because I've never talked to him on Russia's program before. Uh, what is this, what's this meant to you to put together this podcast uh, about Rush? It is. It, it has meant a lot of anxiety because the first thing is that we, those of us that are working on it, and, and there are two extremely talented producers working with me on this, Philip Tower and Chris Kelly, and all of us want 
to deliver something that Rush would be proud of, Mm -hmm. that this audience will be proud of. And, you know, Rush's everyday, everyday creed was that he wanted to meet and exceed the expectations of his audience. (laughs) And he was serious about that. And he was serious about being excellent every single day. So we want this podcast series to be a reflection of the man that we love so much and that we owe so much to, and we would like him to be pleased with it. I can hear in your voice the love. I've, you know, I've gotten to know Team EIB through the years, uh, and I, I always want Rush's audience to know that what you hear in James Dash Bosnerly's voice, it's, it's in everybody's heart. So we've got a whole bunch of news to pile through, but this first portion of the show is going to be an exploration in trying to achieve that excellence and, and hearing from James these great stories. And just before we cut to break, we'll come back and hear part of this podcast. I wanted to ask you a question quickly, James. Of sure. all the nicknames that, uh, that the Maha, America's Anchorman, had, what was the nickname that you thought best applied to the man Rush Limbaugh? That's a tough question. Because he's so larger than life, and all of them, you know, the truth detector, the doctor of democracy. (laughs) I was just the harmless little fuzzball. (laughs) I was just thinking about the all knowing, all seeing, all loving Maharashi, because that's what I hear in your voice, James. Um, I love that. Okay, good. When we come back, uh, we will hear the world premiere of Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone, sponsored by the Tower to Tower Foundation and MyPillow. That's next on the EIB Network. Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. Bo Snerdly, actual name James Golden, is with us. We'll talk more with him. But first, James, if you'll allow me, this is the world premiere of Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this... Um This day has been uh, one of the most difficult days in recent memory for me because I've known this moment was coming in the program today. I'm sure that you all know by now I really don't like talking about myself and I don't like making things uh, about me other than in the usual, satirical, parodic, joking way. I like this program to be about you and the things that matter to all of us. And I've, I've, I've mentioned to you that this program is, and this job, uh, is what has provided me the greatest satisfaction and happiness that... I've ever experienced more than I ever thought that I would experience. So I have to tell you something today that I wish I didn't have to tell you. And it's it's a struggle for me because I I had to inform my staff earlier today. I, I can't escape even though telling people are telling me it's it's not the way to look at it, I, I can't help but feel that I'm letting everybody down with this. Down with this. This was a day that I will never forget. Certainly, none of us who have worked with Rush Limbaugh 
will ever forget. I was on my way to work when I got the call. There was going to be a meeting, and instantly, butterflies in the stomach. We never have meetings. Maybe two over the last 30 years. Maybe two. Rush wants to meet with the staff. We knew, I knew, something was wrong. Whether you listened every day, you are at the EIB Network and the Rush Limbaugh program heard on over 600 great radio stations. Or every now and then. Nation's leading radio talk show, the most eagerly anticipated program in America. These are the stories you've never heard from the people behind the scenes who knew him best and loved him most. Rush Limbaugh having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone. Hosted by James Golden. So I get to work, and we go back to the media room, which is in the back of the Southern Command Complex. This was an all-hands meeting. And later talking to everyone, we all knew something was wrong. Rush, his demeanor was normal. You couldn't see any anxiety. He started off the conversation, the first few words, normal. I asked you all to come today, something to that effect. And quickly, we learned the truth. The upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Advanced lung cancer. And it was confirmed, got a second opinion. The second opinion verified what was on the first opinion, that it was indeed advanced. And then Rush, being Rush, apologized to us. He said, I'm sorry I let you down. And I let out an involuntary scream, no, you can't apologize to us because I was uh, mortified that he would actually in in this what had to be the, the worst moment of our broadcast lives together as a team as a as a group of people he was apologizing to us on what had to be the worst one of the worst days of his life and he said that um, he was obviously going to seek treatment, seek the best treatment that there was for it. And whatever else he told us in that meeting, I don't remember because I just felt numb, in shock. And I didn't know quite what else to think. Then Rush being Rush, thanked everybody for coming together and turned and walked down that hallway back into his broadcast studio. I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm 
reacting to treatment. I walked down that hall after him and opened the door and went in to his, his studio. He was standing, and I went over to him and gave him a hug, and I told him that I loved him. And that everything was going to be okay, and that um, I felt confident in it. What, what I have not revealed publicly until now was that I had just finished my own bout with cancer. I had been diagnosed uh, with prostate cancer, and it was typical of Rush and the organization, Craig, Julie Talbert, who runs Premier Networks, and Brian Johnson and our engineers on the West Coast did extraordinary things to allow me to continue working in Maryland, where I moved to for almost half a year while I was being treated. No one knew because I kept working, and my work days were kind of normal. I had my treatment early in the morning and would just go to work. And so I said to myself, well, you know, Rush is going to beat this. Rush can beat anything. I had the feeling that Rush was invincible. But at the same time, that word advanced. Advanced. That was a bothersome word. Um... It is what it is. And you know me, I'm the mayor of Realville. So this has happened, and my intention is to come here every day I can and to do this program as normally and as competently and as expertly as I do each and every day because that is the source of my greatest satisfaction professionally, professionally, Personally, I've had so much support from uh, family and, and friends during this that it's, it's, just, it's, it's been tremendous. Shortly after that, it was showtime. Along comes the theme to the show. Rush opens the show. Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell anything was wrong. Typical day. Show open, strong, Rush leading off with stories of the day. During the next two hours and 45 minutes, the show proceeds along like any day on the Rush Limbaugh show. Rush cracking jokes, Rush being funny, Rush going through a detailed analysis of the news. All of us, four of us are in the control room at that point. Dawn is the official stenographer. She's taking in real time transcribing what Rush is saying and what the callers are saying, what the sound bites are. Brian Johnson is there. We have a video monitor of our New York crew, Mike Mamone, in the studio in New York. It's a normal day. All of us are trying to keep composure. We just kept looking at each other and trying not to cry and trying not to just, just, just hold on. You know, Rush is on. We have to we have to give our usual 
to rush. We have to look and 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 be engaged in the show. He can't look in there and see us crying. He can't look in there and see us upset. We have to have when he, when when something's funny. Yeah, we we're gonna react with the laughter and the smiles. And when he's you know talking about a news story that's particularly interesting, we're we're there. I'm screening calls as usual. Dawn's doing her job as usual. Brian is. All of us are doing our jobs, but we have this dread. Dread. We know it's coming. After the 43 break, little inside radio there, Rush comes back. And that's when he told you, the media, the rest of the world what was going on. And it sounded just as horrific to us hearing it again as it did that morning. I told the staff today that I have a deeply personal relationship with God that I do not proselytize about. But I do, and I have been working that relationship (laughs) tremendously, um, which I do regularly anyway, but I've, I've been focused on it intensely for the past couple of weeks. I know there are many of you in this audience who have experiences, who are going through it yourselves at the same time. I am at the moment experiencing zero symptoms other than, I don't, look, I don't want to get too detailed in this, what, what led to shortness of breath that I thought might have been asthma or um, you know, I'm 69, could have been my heart. My heart's in great shape, ticking away fine, squeezing and pumping great. It was not that. It was uh, a pulmonary problem involving malignancy. So I'm going to be gone the next couple of days as we figure out the treatment uh, course of action and have further testing done. But as I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here as often as I can. And as is the case with everybody who finds themselves in this circumstance, you just want to push ahead and try to keep everything as normal as you can, which is something that I'm going to try to do. But at least now we didn't have to pretend to feel anything other than extreme anxiety, sadness, hopefulness being prayerful, trying to do our best to give what little we can to rush during those moments. Within five or six minutes of the announcement, the first breaking news story shows up on television. And we knew from there, life was never going to be the same. And it wasn't. The voice you just heard, along with Rush's, is that of James Golden. You know as Bo Snerdly, he's with us. And James, you know the clock by heart, so I won't give you the clock warning. I just wanted to ask you one question, having heard your words there. Um, Was Rush aware of how many people he inspired to fight cancer bravely? By the way, he faced this with optimism and dignity and, in fact, humor. You know, I don't know, because Rush was so... Contrary to what many people think, Rush was not all about himself. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I think Rush was genuinely surprised at mm. the reaction that he got from so many people so many times during his career on his influence. And he that he was about tomorrow. He was about what can I do tomorrow, not looking back. And he would say that repeatedly. So I don't know. I hope he did. I hope he knows how much he influenced so many other people, Todd. Uh, it was brave of you, and I appreciate you uh, disclosing the battle that you had with uh, cancer, and some of us knew about that and the way you fought that. Uh, when we come back, I, I want to get your reaction to what it felt like to hear you say the words and to relive that day. And I would just ask, as people listen to this, the other question I want to ask you, James, when we come back is this partnership, this this EIB, you mentioned Craig and Julie and and so many of the people behind the scenes. I'd like to know when you come back with us, um, in your heart, was there a time in which you realized, wow, this is a job, it's a radio career, it's the biggest radio show ever, um, and this is like world-changing for me emotionally. So we'll ask you that when we come back. What you've heard is the first installment of a podcast that you can tell is going to be something you're going to want to get. Um, you would be able to get this at RushLimbaugh.com, Towers to Towers Foundation, and MyPillow is sponsoring this. It's Todd Herman with James Golden on the EIB Network. It's always an honor to uh, guide this program, be a guide host, but to be here during the premiere of Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the Golden EIB Microphone podcast, which is sponsored by Tunnel to Towers Foundation and my pillow, and done by James Golden, you would know as both Snurdly, and other great contributors, as James has said. It's just an amazing honor. Um, James is with us, James Golden. Uh, James, was there a time where you realized, okay, uh, this is a radio job, and now it's a huge radio show and the TV? Was there a time when you think back in your relationship with Rush where you, and the family at EIB that you said, um, this is extraordinary from the perspective of living in life, not just career? Yeah, there was. Um, but but here's the thing, Todd. I knew, and just like everybody in America knew when they first heard Rush, the day that you heard Rush Limbaugh was a game changer. You knew that day, that instant that you had on the radio when you heard that voice and you heard that wit, you heard that intelligence, wait a minute, something special here. You know, I've been in radio since I was a kid, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with great, great personalities in radio. I grew up in the New York radio market. And um, so you have the creme de la creme in New York, people that had worked their entire careers to get to New York and be on New York City radio, right? Rush comes along. Rush Limbaugh comes along from Sacramento. Nobody (laughs) knows who he is, right? Nobody knows this guy. Wow. He starts off on WABC in New York, talk rate in, yeah. uh, in, in New York, doing a local show for one hour and then a national show. Very quickly, that local hour went away because people were demanding more of Rush. It jumps from 56 radio stations, which to some people would be the crown of their career. Yeah, It starts with 56 radio stations. The next thing you know, you're at... Um, 150. The next thing you know, you're at 300, 400, 500, 600. And here is the thing about Rush. Rush Limbaugh, the, the Rush Limbaugh radio program grew every single year. 33 years Rush was on the national stage. 
33 years, his program grew because he kept the same excellence, the same excitement that people had the first time that they heard him that 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 led to this runaway success. He kept working. His work ethic was so incredible, and he never got tired of it. This was his passion. He loved being on the radio. He loved being Rush Limbaugh, and the show just continued to grow all of those years. It's because Rush was born to do this. He was born to do this. God did give him this gift. God gave him this talent that once people heard him, they wanted more. So I knew instantly, and I think everybody on this staff and everybody in this audience knows that this is Rush was something different, something remarkable, and no offense to anyone else in this industry who does this, there will never, ever, ever be another Rush Limbaugh, period, because he came here with this mission. It's, it's, it's absolutely the truth. So well said. Um, James, you've shared your firsthand experience with Rush, but you also spoke to others like his brother David. Uh, David Limbaugh appears in a future episode in this 12-week, 12-episode series. He always said what he believed. So you read these stories and they say he's bombastic, and he wasn't bombastic. And that's another thing, by the way. He might have started off being a little bigger than life, but as, as, as his show evolved in, in these later years, they talked about him being mean. Have you ever heard him be mean to a caller? No, never. I, it's the most unfair thing. And this crap about him being a racist, it blows my mind. He was the tip of the spear. He took the arrows for all of the rest of us and for the country. And people now are taking some of the heat. He took it before all the rest of us, and he had no one defending him. I mean, we all tried to defend him. There was no mechanism to defend him, and he was the toughest guy I've ever seen, not just in the way he fought cancer and bounced back and powered through that last year, but his whole career, he defeated deafness when, when it was instrumental to his art. Who could be deaf and be a radio host? And he overcame that. He overcame addiction. He overcame all the obstacles that were placed in front of him and all the hate from Media Matters and the rest, and he powered through bigger than every one of them to be the most successful person that I've ever met in my life and that everyone, at least on our side, ended up loving. And I am really, really proud of him and really miss him. James Golden's with us. And, James, I hear the emotion in your voice throughout the entire podcast. You cannot miss it. Uh, you share a lot of profound thoughts, including this one about Russia's talents on loan from God. Let's share this with the audience. And you know, it's so funny. I still think about this a lot. He said, there will come a time when I will no longer be able to do this. But until then, I'm going to do this as many days as I can. And to me, I wanted to ignore the first part of that, that, that they're, they're, will come a time when I can't do this. Of course, we all know that that's reality. There's a time in everyone's life when life changes, when whatever has gone on before is not going to go on again. This is life for all of us. But to have it on a stage before 27 million or more people, the audience by the way, kept growing and growing and growing and never stopped growing into his 33rd year. To have this 
that I am going to do this as long as I can do this. Showed you where his love was. He loved his wife. He loved what he did for others through the charities and through the philanthropy. He loved all of that. But Rush made no secret about it. He said it. And it was jest, but it wasn't. I was born to host, and you were born to listen. And until the very end, that was Rush Limbaugh, born to host with talent on loan from God. And we were there to listen and to enjoy that broadcast. It's Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the Golden EIB Microphone Podcast, sponsored by Tunnel to Towers Foundation and MyPillow. The voice you heard there, James Golden, you know, is Bo Snerdly. Uh, James, as the podcast is going to be available at RushLimbaugh.com, I wanted to ask you, what, what else are we going to learn in this 12-week series, this 12-series 12, uh, 12 podcast? What else are we going to learn? What's one thing you want people to listen for? I want people to meet the extraordinary, some of the extraordinary people that have worked with the EIB network over the past 30 years. And um, sadly, we won't get a chance to interview every single member of the staff. I wish that I could. I wish that we had enough time in this podcast series for this audience to meet every single person on our staff. Rush was one of the most amazing businessmen and boss to me in this radio industry. He hired people whether it be for the newsletter with 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 our edit tricks Diana Aloko and Denise May whether whether it's our web staff with Coco and Ali and 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 Mojo and and Keith and Dean everybody he hired people in every front and every aspect of this organization who excel at what they do and he left them alone to do their jobs and as a result we have one of the lowest turnovers probably in the history of this industry. People came to this organization and they stayed because we all have this undying love and gratitude for Rush. And we wanted to please him. We wanted to deliver the excellence that he had made the trademark for this network. And so I want people to meet some of the people and hear from them. You know, I get a lot of attention because of the back and forth that Rush had and I had on the air, and sometimes I feel guilty about it because the people, every single person that works for this company loves Rush like I do, every single one of them, and every single one of them is just as devoted to Rush as I am, and I would like for this audience to meet these amazing people that worked with Rush and that worked with me and all of us work together as the EIB family network yeah that's the voice of james golden um and that's nothing else to add other than um thank you for being a gentle hand and the first time i did this and every time i got to do this and um james thank you for sharing this with us it's just so special i just appreciate you thank you well todd thank you so much and you know i love working with you and you are one of the most incredible human beings that i've ever met 
your intellect. You know, you don't have to do this for a living. You could have retired a long time ago and been off enjoying the fruits of your tech years. But for you to do what you're doing and for you to be a part of this EIB family, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you and every one of our guest hosts. And because you're all a part of the EIB family, too. And so thank you. And what a pleasure. And I'm thank you for allowing me to be here today with you guys. With God's good grace. And thank you for saying all that. It's unbelievable. It's Todd Herman, you're one of your guide hosts. I get to do it this week. My friends do it next on the EIB Network. Yeah, it's Todd Herman, your guide host on the EIB Network this week. Again, that uh, podcast uh, we just featured, just premiered, RushLimbaugh.com is where you can get that. Th- Go there and get it now. It is a test right now in D.C. to figure out who's president. And I know that sounds crass and, and perhaps it sounds cruel, and I also want to be pragmatic and realistic. Joe Biden is not president. He is a figurehead. He's not cognitively capable of being president. Yesterday, during this, these rockets being launched um, and these, this, this loss of life and, and the media pretending that it's just Israel, it's so much of the media. Iran appears to be behind this. In fact, I've been following the coverage and seeing some people who are reported to be Iranian you know, spokespeople for this and that sponsored terror group. They're doing this, and they're bragging about it, and so many things to think about here. One of them is that each of these missiles, if they're in fact being underwritten by Iran, Barack Obama helped them pay for those with with pallets of cash delivered at night in direct contravention to U.S. law, a law that Obama himself had to reaffirm at least once, if not twice. In other words, sign again. To recognize again, yes, this still stands. And so as there's this this increasing loss of life. We've heard one of the uh, the mayors of Lod, Israel. We've completely lost control of the city, and the streets are witnessing a civil war between Arabs and Jews. And if Iran is testing Biden, well, then they're missing the mark. It's not Biden to be tested. It is who is actually running things. The Hill. There's growing sniping over whether the Biden administration should pressure Israel to stop the eviction of Palestinian families from East Jerusalem, an issue that puts Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, longtime staunch ally of Israel, as the Hill describes it, in the spotlight. Violence is now flaring up as Israel and Hamas trade strikes, with some Democrats expressing displeasure with Biden's handling of the situation. Just a quick glance at recent history will tell us that the... The, the, the Obama-Biden administration was flat obsessed with putting Iran in charge of the Middle East. Twice, twice, Barack Obama stopped not just the investigation, but the indictment of terrorist groups for smuggling Opioids and cocaine across our southern border in concert with narco-terrorists. The first time he did that, and this is all written about in detail in the Politico in a brilliant piece that got no attention about Project Cassandra. That was to preserve a deal with the Taliban and preserve a deal with Hamas. Stopping the indictment 
of people flooding the United States with drugs, which do what to a country? They destabilize the country. And as Americans have been put against the, the, the throats of other Americans, with, with there's, are we, we're not really going to pretend there's not foreign influence helping to fund this and support this. Well, no, why would I even say that? Well, Ebony Magazine had an article where they bragged about the fact that Black Lives Matter Incorporated went to the so-called Palestinian territories to learn from Hamas. The, there's something called, a paper called Network Enabled Anarchy, put together by a bunch of academics tied to Rutgers University, where they said the recruiting methods of, of, of Antifa mirror those of Hamas and ISIS. So this is a test to find out if we, in fact, have a president. Or if it's a group of people that are running Joe Biden. I think it may be that Joe Biden is learning that, well, come on, man, I'm not actually president. It's how many days since this began that we don't hear something from a U.S. president. And this this is almost such a cliche, I hate to mention it. And... If this was Trump, just imagine. We'll continue. Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. And thanks to everybody on Twitter and social media for enjoying the conversation with uh, James Golden and the podcast man behind the Golden EIB microphone. RushLimbaugh.com. Thanks to... uh, the um, Tunnel of the Towers Foundation and my pillow for sponsoring that. Next hour, the Fouch and Rand Paul went at it a bit. And Rand truly gets Fauci and everything that Fauci's about. And and Fauci just kept repeating this phrase, this what we would refer to in the business here as audio clip number five. However, I will repeat again, the NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I just wonder if in the back of Fauci's mind there was, we, we, we made sure that we did that through an intermediary uh, called the EcoHealth Alliance so that they could continue to fund uh, gain-of-function uh, gain research so that I could sit here in front of, uh, in front of you, Senator Paul, and say to you that, that, that uh, to repeat again, the NIH and the NEID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research so that I could con- – that, did I say that right? Can we get the lawyer in here just to make sure I – should I emphasize part of this? When the lawyer writes this out, could we get stage directions like turn left? Turn, uh, but President Obama always had the stage directions. Turn left, look thoughtful, touch your chin. We'll explore this as we continue on the EIB Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Such an incredible honor to be with you on the EIB Network on this day. The Lord has made for us in these times in which God has decided we will live. It is 800-282-2882. If you'd like to join us on the program, I'd love to chat with you. Let's just, let's cut to a chase. This thing with Fauci and Rand Paul, get into some of the sounds of that. Nicholas Wade is, and it's notable that this is not in the New York Times, that this is instead on medium.com. And you can find the link to this, I'm sure, at rushlimbaugh.com. Nicholas Wade, former New York Times science writer, understand he was a former staffer at the journal Nature, writes, from June 2014 to May 2019, EcoHealth Alliance had a grant from the NIAID, part of the National Institute of Health, to do gain-of-function research with coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You know that Rand Paul, Senator Paul, was asking the Fouch about this. Before we get to the Fouch and the fact that he continued to fall back on a lawyer trick, which is a very carefully worded statement that makes sure that you don't fall afoul of perjury while you are lying, is the way I see it. Let's present the following thought scenario. We're in a meeting room in Washington, D.C. The best and the brightest are sitting around the table. And the best and the brightest are the people, experts at infectious diseases and and biological warfare and chemical warfare. And they're presenting the work of the Chinese Communist Party to commit to total war, which would include things like biological and chemical warfare and and using tools like uh, uh, domestic terror groups 
in the United States in order to destroy the United States of America. And they're committed to this path of understanding biological warfare better than any nation. And they're in this meeting group, in the meeting room in Washington, D.C. And someone says, you know, I think we should work with them. In the real world, if you were to say, I think we should partner with the Chinese Communist Party. A lot of people say, huh, what are you, an NBA player? So yesterday in D.C., during a Senate hearing, Tony Fauci testified during the Q&A. Senator Rand Paul says, for years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Shen Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute, sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIAH. Fauci and Paul then continue with this. Government scientists like yourself who favor gain-of-function research. I don't favor gain-of-function research in China. You are saying things that are not correct. The NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute. I fully agree that you should investigate where the virus came from. But again, we have not funded gain-of-function research on this virus in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, no matter how many times you say it, there was research. There was research done. And oddly, a former staff member of of the journal, Nature, a former writer for this New York Times science section, Nicholas Wade says, from June 2014 to May 2019, EcoHealth Alliance had a grant from the NIAID for the part of the National Institute of Health to do gain-of-function research with coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I believe Nicholas Wade. Because I've learned I can't believe Tony the Fauch Fauci. A man who has America in a selective, medically useless, deadly, but give him credit, very politically advantageous lockdown of school children's search, uh, churches and small businesses while letting abortion clinics and big businesses run crazy wild. Give him his due benefit. The technocrats have done really well under this lockdown. It's been great for them. You have this from the Epoch Times. U.S. grant to Wuhan lab to enhance bat-based coronavirus was never scrutinized by the HHS review board. Tony Fauci has a lot to answer for, including why did there ever exist a reason to give the Communist Party of China, any respect, let alone money, to interact on the basis of any form of gain of function. Gain of function means making something more deadly. Rand Paul was talking about gain of function being able to institute a coronavirus that would kill 15% of the people it comes in contact with, not 0.23 or 13%. Just try this in the real world. Go to your boss... 
and say, I have learned that our chief competitor that is trying to destroy us in the marketplace has a plan to destroy us in the marketplace. I thought we might go and meet with them to help maybe just send them a check to help fund their destruction of us in the marketplace. You People think you're having a stroke. Now, Rush was quite understandably taken aback to hear Fauci say that he never set himself up as the end-all, be-all decision-maker of that medically useless, politically targeted lockdown of churches, schools, and small businesses. That, as Rush predicted, would flatten the U.S. economy. I mentioned earlier that Rand Paul got into it a little bit with Dr. Fauci at this hearing today. It's the Senate Health Committee. Well, it's the H-E-L-P. Committee, Health, Education, Labor, and Pontifications. I don't know what the name of it is. It doesn't matter. Now, Dr. Fauci has already testified at the time Rand Paul speaks. And Dr. Fauci has warned the Senate, dire circumstances await us if we don't follow Dr. Fauci's guidelines. Now, here is Dr. Rand Paul uh, speaking with Dr. Fauci on the subject of the infallibility of Dr. Fauci. In rural states, we never really reached any sort of pandemic levels in Kentucky and other states. We have less deaths in Kentucky than we have in an average flu season. It's not to say this isn't deadly, but I think the one size fits all that we're going to have a national strategy and nobody's going to go to school is kind of ridiculous. So I think we ought to have a a little bit of humility in, in our belief that we know what's best for the economy. And as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all. We can listen to your advice, but there are people on the other side saying there's not going to be a surge and that we can safely open the economy. And I think it's a huge mistake if we don't open the schools in the fall. And Rand Paul's exactly right, by the way, in his statistical data presentation here. Here's Dr. Fauci responding um, uh, to Rand Paul, claiming that he, Dr. Fauci, is not infallible. Mr. Chairman, can I respond to that? I have never made myself out to be the end-all and only voice in this. I'm a scientist, a physician, and a public health official. I give advice according to the best scientific evidence. There are a number of other people who come into that and give advice that are more related to the things that you spoke about, about the need to get the country back open again and economically. I don't give advice about economic things. Whoa, I don't wait give a advice minute. about anything other than public health. Wait so I wanted a- to respond to that. He doesn't give advice about economic things? I'm confused. Well, because... He's warning reopening too quickly can lead to needless suffering and death. Don't do it. Mistake. We're not opening sports this fall. We're probably not going to be able to go back to school. And he says that he doesn't give advice about economic things. I'd like to know how he draws the line of separation between what he's advocating here on the medical and scientific side and the economic side of things. There's no overlap. I don't give advice about economic things. I don't give advice about anything other than public health. Is he really saying that his advice has no economic impact? See, that's what I mean, folks. This hearing today has so largely been a bunch of people running CYA operations. Just making sure that whatever negative blowback there is on this thing doesn't stick to them. This is not a profile in Courage Day, if you ask me. I haven't seen the whole thing but in what portions of it this morning I saw one more soundbite. This Senator Tim Scott 
from South Carolina at the hearing just a minute or so We didn't set out with the goal of preventing 100% fatalities. That would be unrealistic. It is impossible. And we didn't set out to keep quarantines in place until we found a safe and effective vaccine. That would take too long. While I respect the need for caution, we are too often presented with a false dichotomy, either saving our economy or saving lives. We've seen the goalposts around flattening the curve move, and I think that's unfortunate. Because at the same time we're doing that, businesses have collapsed. Mental and physical health have declined. Depths of despair escalate. Educational outcomes nosedive as we wait in our living rooms praying for some good news around therapies and around vaccines. We set out to flatten the curve, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, but we're now on to moving on to flattening the economy. <laughs> Folks, listen, that was a year ago where Rush was talking about this. Fauci doesn't give economic advice. Well, I think summer camps can open safely uh, if you have kids stay 6.2 feet away. Unless it's that one kid with that one T-shirt that's uh, just, it's, what is it, that mega? He needs to stay 60 miles away. Otherwise, people will just get sick. The party, that is the establishment, that is the technocrats, that is the people who like Washington, D.C. being fenced in theatrically behind a militarized installation. They are not happy with the decision to wave bye-bye to Liz Cheney in leadership. We'll talk about that as we come back. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. Let me just uh, present something I like to talk about. Well, that's what we do, but there's a phrase I like to use, the tyranny of the oar. Sometimes people will allow themselves to be trapped into the tyranny of the oar. You can do this or this. Sometimes you can do this and this. But people's mindsets get trapped into the tyranny of the oar. And this is what the Mockingbird media members want to do with people in Liz Cheney. They want to do with Republicans in Liz Cheney. If you are not, if, if, you, if you are not a fan of President Trump's personality, then you're on the Liz Cheney side of the fence. If you're a fan of President Trump's personality, well, then you're with the terrorists. So let's break this down a little bit as Liz Cheney is, is, has been kicked from this leadership role. And we had people like, in Washington State, Jamie Herrera Butler. This is how the Seattle Times explained it. Jamie Herrera Butler will vote this week to retain Rep. Liz Cheney in House leadership in another break with the pro-Trump wing of the Republican Party. What if you're actually anti-communism? What if you're actually pro-America? What if you're actually anti-racism that is against critical race theory? What if you are pro-reality? There are men and women and people who feel differently, but it doesn't change biology. What if you're actually someone who believes that maybe it's not a good idea that we cozy up to the CCP? What if you're someone who believes probably we should shut down Antifa and Black Lives Matter Incorporated, find out who's funding them and put them in prison? Does that make you pro-Trump? Well, no, it makes Trump (laughs) pro-you. That's what that makes. So it's this tyranny of the or, and they're trying to set Les Cheney up as the new Mitt Romney, the new Republican of conscience. So it's the not, I will not be ruled by the tyranny of the or. I loved 90% of what President Trump did by policy. So I therefore learned to like his personality, be okay with it. Sometimes he says things that bothered me, and so does everybody. But listen to the hubris here. Listen to this. 
In D.C., Liz Cheney, she was voted out. She did not go without making clear she prefers Joe Biden's dementia turning America into China to Donald Trump's personality. I uh, am absolutely committed, as I said last night, and as I said just now to my colleagues, that we must go forward based on truth. We cannot both embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. And going forward, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. The nation needs a party that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. And I am committed and dedicated to ensuring that that's how this party goes forward, and I plan to lead the fight to do that. I uh, will do everything I can to ensure that the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger that he continues to provoke with his language. We have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution. And I think that the party is in a place that we've got to bring it back from. And we've got to get back to a position where we are a party that can fight for conservative principles, that can fight for substance. We cannot be dragged backward by uh, the very dangerous lies of a former president. So the Michigan Supreme Court is apparently, um, they're speaking the big lie. They've said, oh, yeah, a lot of those votes were illegal. The Wisconsin State Supreme Court is apparently part of the big lie. They've said, oh, yeah, a bunch of those votes were illegal. And Liz Cheney says these things in a town now made into a theatrical stage. Those fences and those guards are theater. She is tacitly defending a man who is installing into the U.S. system the literal scapegoating of the white race. That's what she's doing, defending this, and that's constitutional? This act of Tony Fauci, well, maybe I'll let people demand rent in their rental houses maybe sometime next summer. And she speaks of the Constitution. (laughs) Donald Trump refused to pretend that the U.S. intelligence services are patriots, refused to pretend critical race theory is anything other than a plan to destroy America. As Rush told us from the moment Trump came down the escalator in New York, the party could never let such truths be spoken from the Oval Office. I don't think most people have the capacity to understand just how much the Washington establishment, whatever it encompasses, just totally despises Everything there is about Donald Trump, including the people that voted for him and people that work for him, it's impossible to aptly describe the level of animosity and sheer hatred and fear that has dominated official Washington since election night 2016. There has never been, and there never will be, even a split-second moment of discussion on the part of these people of standing down, of maybe finding a way to work with Trump, of maybe realizing the American people spoke and we have to live not a split second of recognition of any of that or acknowledgement of any of that or acceptance of any of that. And in fact, I think what we're learning here is that there was an attempt to derail the Trump campaign long before anybody really, I mean, before the mainstream thought that Trump had a chance of winning the nomination. I think who he is and where he comes from has instilled or did instill a degree of panic 
in official Washington that you and I were unaware of and could only guess about. But with me, it isn't a guess. I understand totally how Trump affects these people or anybody like Trump, any outsider that would dare attempt what Trump has done and succeed at it. This is a different breed of cat, if you will. And Liz Cheney making clear that it's really just about the personality, in my judgment. She doesn't defend the Constitution. You can't be okay with Joe Biden and the Constitution. That is an either-or circumstance. It is. Interesting. Do you think President Trump's policies could have been enabled without his personality? Do you think he would have signed such measures were he not the personality that he is? I don't. I think his personality was part of why he was willing to do those things, and it is definitely something that the Maha saw in Donald Trump that other people didn't. Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. We'll get uh, next hour to what Joe Biden's dementia is doing to your 401ks and financial futures. I was just noticing this. Alpha Investors on... um, on Twitter, steals up 145% lumber, 126% oil, 80% soybean, 71%. In other words, inflation is here. And I wonder if that's going to be on the news or if we're going to, we're going to have a, a profile of, of Liz Cheney walking around her property and, and being very thoughtful and very into the Constitution and all as she uh, just ignores everything Joe Biden's doing that is blatantly unconstitutional. Like, hey, let's give black farmers money, but not white farmers, because that ain't racism. Don't you say it is, because come on, man. It's a beautiful way to argue. The teachers are another area that Joe Biden's dementia has just absolutely empowered. One of the things I hope we will do, there's a bit of language that I've adopted over the years. I no longer use the phrase public schools because they're not. They're government schools. These phrases matter. Public schools who can't like public schools. They're public and they're schools. Government schools, on the other hand, is easier to dislike. It's also more true. The other is teachers unions. These these are not teachers unions. Uh, These are cash machines for leftists. It's the big government school machine is what they are. It's big government school machine. They are all about displaying that they've won in the schools. The critical race theory is it's a victory march. Look what we've done to the schools. We talked about yesterday asking uncomfortable questions of teachers. I would love to hear from Russia's listeners who have gone to a school board meeting and said to a white teacher, on what date will I receive your resignation? I have here my friend who's a black teacher. She wants your job. Can you guys trade today? There's a lot of black conservative teachers just you know, go to these meetings and say, you white teacher, step down out of your job this instant. This is a black woman. She'll take your job today. We don't need an interview. You're white. She's black. Make them live in the worlds they're, they're creating for all of us. The L.A. Daily News says stop calling teachers unions our partners. Absolutely right. There are California parents groups seeking to abolish these so-called teachers associations, these big government school machines. Now, being against the leftist agitators that some people call teachers union does not mean being against teachers. 
As the Maha tells us here, one can love and admire great teachers and still recognize the truth about the big government school machine. Why would governments want to unionize state workers? Why would people working in a state want to be unionized? Uh, I, I can remember my whole life, I mean, since I was in uh, grade school, junior high particularly, is when I first started being cognizant of the whole notion of uh, need to pay our teachers better to attract more, uh, better teachers. And in fact, my father was involved in efforts to pay teachers more in our little town of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. I remember we had a, uh, I had in junior high a history teacher. What was her name, David? Sackman, that's right. Catherine Sackman. She was short. Everybody when I was junior high looked 80. I'm sure she wasn't 80, but, and she had this unique way of speaking, but she was a good teacher and she loved my dad. I got good grades. She loved my dad because my dad was very vocal in, in teachers' salaries needing to be raised. He was, he was, he was involved in the community in his, uh, in his own ways. And so I was always cognizant. And I've, as I've grown older, I've heard all the arguments. How come we pay you know, idiots like athletes all that money and teachers who are incredibly more important, Mr. Limbaugh? You must agree with this, they say. So little. And that involved uh, detailed explanations of how capitalism works, capital formation and, and all that. But now this, this argument, you know, many, many moons hence my junior high school days, we got to pay our teachers more if we're going to attract better teachers. Now, as we have learned, looking at what teachers are making in Wisconsin, in some places, teachers are now paid enough money where a lot of business people would like to teach. There are some people who have retired, business people who have retired and who have applied to be teachers in public schools. And they're most always turned down. They can't be hired. There's hardly any way a school will hire them because they don't have education majors. They don't have a certificate. They didn't go to school to be teachers, so... Even though they've spent a lifetime doing something in business, they still can't be hired to teach that. But I think the, uh, the whole notion of, of, of wanting better teach I think the whole notion of wanting better schools is something that we could challenge the left on. Look at Obama himself. There was this brilliant voucher program going on in Washington. If you go to poor neighborhoods, inner city neighborhoods, you get responsible parents in those neighborhoods will tell you the thing they want most is their kids out of those schools and into better schools. They know that education's a ticket out for their kids. And so they set up this, this great voucher program that allowed poor inner city kids to go to great private schools. And Obama canceled the plan. One of his first acts as president was to cancel it, just let it die. After its current funding perspired, he just let it die. And this was because he had to be loyal to the NEA. He had to be loyal to teaching. He had to be loyal to inferior schools because that's where the working strike force is. The unionized teachers. They're Democrats. They vote Democrat. The, certainly most of them do. Most of the, and certainly the leadership of these unions spends money on Democrat re-election campaigns. So the whole notion of wanting better schools and wanting better teachers is not the objective. What is wanted is more power for the union. It's not about better teachers. That's why unionize as many public employees as possible. You, in effect, are paying them to be Democrats. You're paying them to be loyal campaign workers. 
it is not an accident that since Obama's regime took office, that there have been an additional 200,000 federal workers hired in various federal unions. It's not an accident. So it's not about being the best. It's not about finding better teachers. It's not even about paying them more. Although, now take that back. It is about paying them more to keep them there. But it's about loyalty to the Democrat Party, pure and simple. But that's what we see. We're watching it. Now, Rush, on the other hand, Rush, on the other hand, speaking of loyalty, was loyal to us. Fact, he was always looking out for us. And that's one of the reasons there's only one phone carrier we speak about here on EIB, Pure Talk. The company's owned by a U.S. veteran. 100% of their customer support staff works here in the United States. Their cell service covers 99% of the U.S., the same exact coverage of one of the big three wireless carriers. For 30 bucks a month, you get unlimited talks, texts, and plenty of data every month. And when you switch to Pure Talk, you can keep your same phone number while saving all that money. Rush has the details. Hey, folks, there's one sure bet that you can make this year, and that is you're going to use your cell phone more than you did last year. That translates to bigger cell phone bills. You're going to be paying more for it unless you are proactive and do something about that. This is why so many people in this audience are switching their cell phone service from one of the big providers to Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers you unlimited talk, unlimited text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't charge you if you go over your six gigs of data. Now, you compare that monthly price, 30 bucks a month, to your current cell phone bill. Just compare it. Your current cell phone bill, I mean, I would, I'd have to say make a guess, but 75 80 bucks, depending on how many lines and phones you have. Don't know what it is, but 30 bucks a month for unlimited talk, unlimited text, six gigs of data. Now, here's the real icing on the cake. Pure Talk uses the same cell phone towers as one of the biggest cell phone service providers in America. They focus on providing great service and support with every Pure Talk employee located in the U.S. From your cell phone, do this. Dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Get started. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Just pick up your phone right now. Pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Guess what? Somebody from there will answer and you're off and running. This is the most Politico headline I've ever read. There's, they still have, they're still calling it an insurrection under their insurrection fallout category. Oh, uh, I've reassessed. Former Pentagon official now says Trump may not have incited the riot. <laughs> oh, well, you've reassessed. Huh. Good thing it's not four months from when it happened. Wow, you've reassessed. Did you listen now to the five times Trump said, be peaceful, be peaceful? Remember, the police are our friends. Please listen to the police. Was that what you reassessed? That's the most political thing ever. Of course, that didn't stop Liz Cheney from on her way out of GOP leadership positions, now being voted out. You have Liz Cheney saying, I won't rest until I get my revenge on Donald Trump's personality. And plus uh, something Constitution, something, something Bill of Rights, uh, Party of Principles. But Trump, 
Let's talk to Dan in West Michigan. Dan, you're on the Russian Ball program. Todd Herman, your guide host for the week. Welcome, Dan. Thank you so much. And first and foremost, out of respect for Rush Limbaugh and all you folks at the EIB, I want to say Megadettos. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. Uh, two quick points. Number one, I listened to Liz Cheney. She had to make her slight about Russia in her farewell address. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wait, she's still saying that Trump worked for Russia? She made reference to the fact that she noticed that in Russia when they had their fair election, blah, blah, blah. Second time, second time, I think I know what the next uh, situation is going to be concerning the great shutdown. Okay. You mean the great – there's no shutdown. Let's be clear. It's a partial lockdown of churches, school children, and small businesses. Let's just be accurate. Right. Excuse me. I I misspoke. I meant the reset. For the last last 18 months, during this lockdown, during this underemployment, the Social Security Trust Fund has not been getting its funds. I believe they're going after – 401ks in the future. So I hope folks listen to this. I hope they mark this, but they're going to use that as an excuse to make up for the funds that were depleted and not reinvested back into that trust. What do you think? Uh, I would love to be able to say to you, sir, that is an unfounded conspiracy theory. Um, I mean, it's a theory, but it is not an unfounded theory. They are after an absolute restructure. And the release of felons because of the COVID, and they keep the um, the abortion clinics running because of the COVID. Lock down the kids out of school unless, like in 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 the state of Washington, when the school kids were told if they go into that building with adults, all the people will die. And then 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 they said, but you can pay twenty eight hundred bucks a month to have your kid go into the same building and get daycare services. They want a complete restructuring. Now you have Western states saying. You can't, even after the COVID, if that ever, if they ever admit that's over, you can't uh, evict someone from your rental property without giving a proper excuse. You have to go to the government and say, Mr. May I please get paid for my property? So, uh, Dan, I'd love to say that I can't get behind your theory, but I, I, it's, it's really something to consider. I think that they could do that. Thanks, Dan, for the phone call. What is it, Dan Day? Now, let's make sure that we separate our Dan's. Dan, one, from Western Michigan, thank you. Dan, two, from Santa Claus, uh, Indiana. I don't mean to make you the second Dan by quality. You might well be a higher quality Dan, but let's figure out in this phone call if you are the higher quality Dan versus your Dan brother. Welcome, Dan, too. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll let you determine that. Let's do that. Uh, no, I, I had a question I always wanted to ask Rush, but I didn't get to before he passed. My question mm-hmm. is, how did the Main Street, Main Street media, mainstream media, I'll get out in a minute, become so liberal, and who keeps it that way? So I will answer it this way because um, I, I took a trip through um, the liberal media in, in a couple different ways. One was when I worked in tech. I got to go you know, work with the AP and, and New York Times and, and groups like that. And what I saw is it is ethnic liberalism, and this is what I mean. They're liberal because they've always been that way. And I think what also happened is noticing that tendency that journalism is about changing the world because the world needs to be changed in a whole right exchange or a whole out exchange for what has worked. That brings a certain type of personality into that. Step two 
is people who want to destroy our country said, we need to control the media, we need to control academia, we need to control the schools, and apparently they also said we need to control public health. So that then rushed a lot of people into media worlds because they're part of that ideology that has at a core of its hate for America. What keeps it that way? Well, it used to be that they kept that sort of hidden, that sort of bias hidden. But right now, I question that myself. And I think it's because they see where the power is lining up. So right now, they're willing to lose some money to make a long-term bet. Like back in the Internet days, there were people who said, hey, listen, don't worry about profits. Don't build your companies to last. Build them for the new economy. And I think that you can look at CNN's ratings tanking, tanking. They might have 800,000 people on a, on a television show versus what used to be 3 million And I think they're playing this long game of we're going to be on the side of the party. We're going to be on the side of the winners. And eventually we'll figure out how to get money out of that. Right. So there's a lot of factors to that. The last one is you'll never meet more insecure people than in television media. They they are people who who live to be liked. Therefore, they're afraid to say, you know what? Maybe it doesn't make sense to partner with the Chinese Communist Party that wants to destroy freedom of speech. Because that could make them unpopular. That's a great question, Dan. Thanks for calling Russia's program. Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. <laughs> it's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. All right, listen to this. This is not, believe it or not, this is 2009, which you're going to hear. Okay, so believe it or not, believe it or not, the clip of America's Anchorman. This one is not from today. It is from 2009. Have you seen the rising gasoline prices out there? Have you noticed them? Now, they are not being reported this time around since Obama's in the White House. But gasoline prices are trickling up. And we're getting close to $80 a barrel oil. Not there yet, but we're getting close to it. We don't need to hit $100 a barrel oil for there to be real economic impact here. And fuel prices includes heating oil going into the very cold winter that is uh, forecast by the Farmer's Almanac, NASA, and Nostradamus. So it's looking bleak out there. Liberals are doing it to us. Liberals in the Democrat Party. It's called drill, baby drill. Uh, wait, wait. So I don't mean to disagree with the, the Maha, but, but AOC had said we don't need stinking pipelines and and fuel lines and such, you just turn those off and just plug in the, the electric cars, the electric buses and the electric airplanes, and everything will be fine. We will explore what Joe Biden's dementia is doing to your 401k economy and personal life as we continue on the EIB Network. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's such a great honor to visit with you, my fellow fans of the Limbaugh Institute. Lifetime fans, it's 800-282-2882 if you want to join us on today, a day the Lord has made for us as a gift to us. These are the times in which God has decided we will live. As I say on my local show in Seattle, that imparts to us a unique set of responsibilities. Some of them is to find humor. And even the increase in gas prices and inflation and you know, Joe Biden's dementia had said that anyone earning under $400,000 a year won't see a tax increase. Yeah, uh, your lumber costs are going to go up in case you wanted to build a house or add on to that. Not, that's not going to be so possible. Lumber is up 126%, steel 145%. This is just taxes by another name. It's an increase in the costs of things like, oh, let's just pick some that's a little maybe more of daily concern. Let's look at some staples. Corn is up 69%. Um, Wheat is up 25%. FAO food index up 25%. Oh, but hourly wages are up, uh, well, 5%. And that would be indicative of the fact that there's a whole bunch of people who are just now coming back to work, although not as many as we need. Did I say find humor this? We have a pending energy crisis. We have Joe Biden's dementia who fought against energy independence. His first, one of his first acts uh, when he was ensconced behind this militarized installation in Washington, D.C., which exists for theatrical reasons, was to say, oh, America doesn't need energy independence and our our uh, independence. Come on, man. Why why don't let's just... uh, Let's, let's just be dependent. So no pipeline for you going north. Now this with the hack of a pipeline in the south. But mind you, elections can't be hacked, but that's a whole other topic. Did I say something about humor? President Trump 
has released a statement. Uh, this from Cam Boy Cam VTV on the Twitter got the president's statement. Save America, President Donald John Trump. Congratulations to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts for the privilege they will have of looking at massive windmills. They've been approved by the Biden administration and are being built in China, of course, as part of an extraordinarily large wind farm. Wind is an incredibly expensive form of energy that kills birds, affects the seas, ruins the landscape, and creates disasters for navigation. Liberals love it, but they can't explain why. In any event, Martha's Vineyard, an absolutely wonderful place, will never be the same again. Good luck! And I think inherent to that, or at least implied, is love. President DJT. Oh, that's true. You know, energy-producing mechanisms that can't produce themselves. Let me ask you this. How do species that can't reproduce, how do they do? No, there aren't any. Oh, see, there aren't any. They don't do well, do they? Windmills do not produce enough energy to make windmills. Solar panels don't produce enough energy to make solar panels. You have to have too many of them to, to make one. They're ridiculously inefficient. Now, at the beginning of this program, um, in speaking of this inflation and the costs going up and costs of energy going up and windmills, at the beginning of this program, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, spoke to the press following their meeting with Joe Biden's dementia about the administration's $4 trillion more in spending, and McCarthy had this to say. You won't find any Republicans going to go raise taxes. I think that's the worst thing you can do in this economy when you watch inflation. Your gas is going up. Remember, gas price today, national gas price, has not been this high since President Biden was vice president. You're watching food costs go up. You're watching housing costs, lumber costs. There is inflation in everywhere. So raising taxes would be the biggest mistake you could make. And what do you think they'll do? Gee, I wonder what they'll do. Remember this, that the economic change that we're seeing was is, is this is not a bug in the system. Just track your way back to the changes that started to happen in March of last year, to our economy. Small businesses unneeded, big businesses absolutely necessary. Certain workers essential, certain workers non-essential. Private property, charging rent for people who stay in your house? No, come on now. That's for big companies with lawyers. That's not for you little people. The changes have been happening since March of last year. And Senator Mike Lee, who is the only conservative senator in the state of Utah made a brilliant point about Joe Biden's dementia attacking America's energy independence. Their decision to cancel this pipeline coming on the heels of President Biden's decision to issue a moratorium unilaterally on all oil and gas drilling on federal lands where we have a lot of our oil and gas resources in this country. Coupled with the fact that we've got needlessly onerous regulatory restrictions that have been forestalling the construction of new refineries. Uh, this is a, a, a perfect storm, a trifecta of sorts, that stops the American people from gaining access to the things that they need to live their day-to-day lives. It's causing prices to spike, and it's a deep concern. Right, and it's not, it's, this is, I, I was saying yesterday, there needs to be some name for this dynamic where the press explains that this is just, wow, this is unforeseen. Who could have seen that constricting the economy to this degree, continuing this selective lockdown ridiculously, 
refusing to have schools open, creating this panic mentality with everybody wrapped in woke masks. So a pipeline goes down. People go rushing for gasoline because they've just spent the last year and a half being told to stay home and stay safe and experiencing shortages. America being made destable or being destabilized would lead to economic calamity if allowed to continue. So this would be another test. Is it Biden who's actually president, who's actually running this economy? CNBC, inflation sped up in April. Consumer prices leapt 4.2%. Gas prices hit a seven-year high. And when you look at the history of Democrats in charge of the economy, and they make these claims, well, Democrats, we handled the economy better. We're for all the working people. Yeah, except they're not working anymore. That's going to drive costs up further. They're installing a universal basic income with this so-called unemployment plus bonus. What that's doing is it's raising the price of labor. As the price of labor goes up, the price of goods goes up. It's elementary economics, and it's not a bug. It's a feature. The Democrats dislike the middle class. They dislike the middle class because the middle class votes from areas of concern that are harder to manipulate. They vote on kitchen table issues. How's my chances of retirement? How are my kids doing in school? Are we raising a generation of people more capable and more secure than before? Do I have pride in my country? Are people following the rules? They're less likely to fall for the extremes of the Democrat Party, which is why they scream it so hard. And the party itself that wants so much, if you doubt this, please take a look at New York, San Francisco, Portland, Los Angeles. They want a disappearance of the middle class. What is Seattle? Uber rich, Uber poor. Los Angeles, Uber rich, Uber poor. That's the way they set this up. It's the voting block they want. Rush warned us back in February that there would be ramifications to shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. Now, ladies and gentlemen, stick with me on this. We had news today about how thousands of Americans who work at the Keystone Pipeline had no idea what was coming. They had no idea Biden was going to shut it down. Yet, we had all this talk of the Green New Deal during the campaign. And all this talk of the Green New Deal mentioned what was going to happen to oil and gas. It mentioned proudly and happily what was going to happen to coal. And yet... The Democrat Party still voted for these people. Unionized workers still voted for these people. What did it tell you? It tells you they don't know what the hell they're voting for. They're voting for somebody with a D next to their name. That's all that mattered. They had been convinced that Trump was a bad guy, that Trump was this and that. He had to go. Well, guess what they're going to find out? They're going to find out Trump was protecting him. They're going to find out Trump was the reason they had a job at Keystone XL. They're going to find out that just like in West Virginia, other places, that Trump is the reason they had jobs in the coal industry. Most of them already know, in fact. Keystone XL is a different thing. They're going to find out in Portland and in Seattle that it was the Democrat governors there that perpetuated that mess, not Trump. The media blamed Trump for nine months for all the civil unrest in Democrat cities and states. So these Keystone XL pipeline workers, now John Kerry's out telling them, well... You're going to have even more options. You go out and sell solar panels. You think that's what they want? They are acting exactly as what you would expect people who didn't know what was coming to act. 
And I'll guarantee you, a bunch of people that work at the Keystone Pipeline voted for Biden. Just guarantee you. A lot of them are union people. You vote for the Democrats. Guarantee you. They're not going to be happy with this. And there will be pushback. The more John Kerry and these guys keep talking about their future is selling solar panels, there's going to be a pushback at some point. We're just not there yet. And apparently, according to Grabian Media, John Kerry admits we were just talking about the solar panels. Rush mentioned them. President Trump made fun of Martha's Vineyard for their view is now ruined for these inefficient monstrosities. John Kerry apparently admitted today that those panels are being made by the Uyghur slaves in China. But that's not racism because it's, uh... oh, you know what? I forgot my doublespeak book. I didn't bring it in. Today. I'll look it up, but there's some reason. Oh, yeah, that's it. Democrat. <laughs> my bad. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. As if you need more reason to be a member of Rush 24-7, you may, well, I, I don't know that you missed it. Most people listen to all the show when they listen to Rush. Um, the first hour, we had James Golden, whom you know as Bo Schnerdleon, to premiere this groundbreaking podcast. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the Golden EIB microphone, which has been sponsored by Tunnel to Towers Foundation and My Pillow. Rush 24-7 gives you access to such things, even when a guide host like myself is involved in making things like that happen. You get that at RushLimbaugh.com. Let's talk to Mike in Yakima, Washington. If you've not been to Yakima, beautiful place. Mike, welcome to Rush's program. Todd Herman, your guide host today. Hey, Todd. It's great to talk to you. Look, the reason the left hates the middle class is because the middle class puts the lie to their power base, which is the idea that that the poor need these revolutionaries to, to go against the wealthy who are oppressing them. And the middle class is basically saying, no, you can make a bunch of decisions and, and you don't have to necessarily stay poor. And, and that undermines their, all of their claim to, to power and legitimacy. The reason they have to fight again and delegitimize the, the American system as systemically racist is because the American system is fundamentally a middle class system. You don't have to stay poor. And uh, and that that uh, that by itself undermines their entire claim to power. Well, that's a great way to put it, and that's you know deep psychology. And then there's some math behind this as well. If you get people who are ethnically rich or ethnically liberal and rich, meaning they're liberal because they've always been liberal, they don't care about taxes. The truly rich people who, and when I say wealth, I mean holding wealth, they don't really pay taxes. They just choose not to spend. They can keep their money in lots of different instruments. I have friends who are brilliant at that. They make a ton of money. They never pay taxes because they hold their wealth. The poor, right, what do the poor want? They've been convinced that they will be poor until they get government to force others to give to them. And it puts then the power brokers in the middle of a triangle. And the triangle is we can guilt the rich, we can threaten the rich, we can pick winners and losers with the rich. You're with the party, you come with us, or we'll take what you have. Then you have the poor, and look what we're giving you. We are giving you all this. We are your sustenance. We are, in fact, the ones bringing you manna from heaven as if we're God Almighty himself. And that is what the power of, the, of this, this ideology puts in people's minds. And you can look at the, look no further than these major cities to watch the fleeing of the middle class. There's a reason for the phrase, can we hold the middle? Well, no, if you don't have a middle, you can't hold the middle. right? And that's how countries come apart. If we don't hold the middle, 
You can't hold the country. If there's no middle, there's no middle to be held. Thank you for the call, Mike. Appreciate you calling Russia's program. Now, on this topic of, of like the middle and the poor people, and poor people coming to our country and being made more, more likely to come here, this is brutally hard to hear. Imagine that you're a rancher in Texas, in Cuamabo, Texas, and you decide to walk your property to go make sure your property's secure, being cared for, there's no problems in your fence line, etc. And you come across on your property a baby naked and crawling in the dirt, a total of seven children under the age of seven crying on your property, left there probably by coyotes, human traffickers. All of this, all of this is to gain political advantage for the left. Bodies equal power. Gavin Newsom knows this. Jay Inslee knows this. The so-called governor of, of, of Oregon, Kate Brown, they all know this. Bodies have dollar heads attached to them. They have congressional votes attached to them. They have walking around monies attached to them. That's why this is there. And, of course, the Democrats intend to turn them into voters. Today, Ted Cruz, or I think it was yesterday, Ted Cruz offered an amendment to their automatic voter registration scheme. Hey, let's just make people prove they're American citizens. Nah, nah, we don't want to do that. This is what the plan is, is it's economic, it's votes, and who hurts? Little babies crawling in the dirt. By the way, you'll see little babies crawling in the dirts in the drug camps of Los Angeles and those cities as well, left in the same lack of regard for their lives. So how can Joe Biden's dementia possibly allow all of this? Let's hear from the Maha on what the Democrats and the party value above all things. Politics is its own business. And saying we got to get the politics out of something, it, the Democrats have convinced a lot of people that they are not political. This is the thing that... I realized this, I don't know how long ago, but it's a very long time ago. When I hear young people, uh, or anybody, you know, I, I, just, I wish they'd stop arguing. I don't want to hear about politics. Have no idea how much of their world is politicized. They have no idea how much political influence is being used on them. and But yet they believe that they aren't involved in politics, that they're apolitical, and that the only people who are political are the Republicans. The Democrats' motives are pure. They're just trying to help people. But it's the Republicans are always trying to stop. It's always arguing. The Republicans are never cooperating, never getting along. And, for example, they don't see global warming as a political thing. They see it as science and just trying to save the planet. And since they hate politics, they hate anybody who stands in the way of doing good things in the era of science. And it's been a frustrating thing to me to encounter it so much because the the key to having everybody understand who the Democrats are is is to get them to be able to see just how political they are and what their politics is. Politics is about winning and losing, like everything else in life. You know, you compromise with a family member. Maybe you have to compromise with the boss or whatever. But politics, it's about defeating. It's about, it's about, I mean, it's, the things that you stand for in politics are core principled beliefs. And you don't compromise those. 
You try to beat back the things trying to destroy what you believe in. Politics is not about and that's see, that's another thing. The left has really succeeded in convincing all these low information people that all politics is is compromise. And that's the, the, the Democrats. Obama just wants to compromise with damn it, these Republicans. I mean, they, they just gotta stop the hating. They just gotta stop the hating. They're the architects of it. No one really in America believes that we walk past little babies crying in the dirt. And yet I've seen it in in Seattle in drug camps where cops have come upon, I'm saying little babies, as everyone around them is is collapsed uh, on, you know, heroin or whatever it is they're collapsed on. That get walked past all the time. This is not a good treatment of the least of these. And I believe there will be judgment for that. Joe Biden's dementia and the party are assuring They are putting out the very economic mechanisms and messages that say you must push little kids onto the the, the land of a farmer or rancher, I should say, Texas. Sorry to say farmer. Understand that can be an offensive phrase to ranchers and likewise to farmers. The cruelty is on the part of the people who endorse the cruelty, who invite the cruelty. It's a known dynamic that will exist until we sometime or other get this idea that, hey, maybe if there were only these things called fences and laws and people who will enforce them. Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. Thanks for having me and being with us, all of us, the team at EIB that puts together the show. All the hard work goes on on the back end. People, we don't get to talk about it enough. It's 800-282-2882. I, I, I got a note of concern um, social media. Someone wanted to check to make sure that the um, what, with the energy crisis and the inflation and such, that the um, air conditioning is still working in the White House. And uh, it is. It's so, listen, appreciate the concern, but everybody back there is fine. So, and you know, just, they don't pay for their own gas and driving around and airplanes and such. So just everybody be cool. The ruling class is fine. Let's talk to Gray in Tampa, Florida. Gray, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman, your guide host this week. Thanks for calling, Gray. Yes, sir, Todd. Uh, just uh, wanted to call in and defend a little bit about solar panels, but I'll give you, I'll just kind of frame me up a little bit first before you think I'm on the other side. I've been listening to this show since I was five years old. I'm 37, so. A long time, right? 32 years, I guess. I've been listening to it since the very beginning. Uh, Big-time conservative and everything like that. But I also happen to be in the solar industry. But there are two sides to this industry, and that's what's important for people to know, right? Yeah. So I'm on the side. We install for residential homeowners, and this allows them to get away from the power company and save money. The other side is the government forcing power companies down their throat to buy solar panels and to build solar farms. Now, these solar farms, you look at the efficiency of fossil fuels versus uh, the efficiency of solar and the amount of space they take up. And the problem you run into is when you do a solar farm, you have to buy about 100 times the land that you would have for a natural gas power generator right so 
that equation ends up costing people way, way, way more money when they could have just put it on their roof. And that's and that that's the point I wanted to get across. Is yeah, I, I look. I I want one of those. I want those on my roof. I, I want that. I want uh, micro wind. I, I want all those choices. I don't have any issue with with economies of choice. What I have an issue with is the same thing you're describing is the forcing of people to adopt this and forcing of companies to adopt this. And you think lead standards were crazy. You wait until they come along and say you're, you are not socially justice oriented enough as a business owner or you're building – you as a business owner are not socially justice enough. You can't sell your buildings. They use all this stuff for leverage. So I really – I hopefully did not come across as decrying – a choice of a homeowner to call a company and to have a free exchange of value, right? That's I want that stuff. What, what I where I you know get frustrated is when they are forcing it down or pretending like it's this green alternative. When you're buying that much land and putting up that much you know infrastructure, and it's my understanding that solar panels need need coal to be made in the first place. That's where I think we run into trouble. So, Gray, you did a great job of defending your industry. You're in Florida. Can I get you out to Idaho this weekend, put something on my house for me? Hey, um, actually, you know what? One of our vice presidents is from Idaho. Uh, but, wait, um, wait, wait. So, so. That would be illegal. I just – that was a joke. That was a joke. I would never do that. We'll look into that sometime. Gray, I've got to run. Clock is our enemy. I appreciate you making the phone call and defending industry. Thank you, Gray, very much for calling Russia's program. One quick thing about um, this choice and, and what Gray is talking about. You know the two-tier justice system? This is at play right now in New York. A New York judge has dismissed the NRA's bankruptcy case, meaning that they want the NRA to be stuck there forever. Rush talked about this case last August, and he asked us a question about Antifa and Black Lives Matter Incorporated and whether those two domestic terror groups make the case for a, um, you know, a strong NRA. This New York State Attorney General, what's her name, Letitia James? So she'd been hyping this press conference all day today at 11.30. But she didn't tell anybody what it was going to be about. So at 11.30, the thing starts. And drive-bys the whole morning are thinking that this is it. How many times have they thought this? This is it. Today we nail Trump. So she starts her press conference. You know what it is? Here, just listen. You want to talk about a drive-by media letdown? Try this. They use millions upon millions of dollars from the NRA for personal use, including for lavish trips for themselves and their families, private jets, expensive meals, and other private travel. Wayne LaPierre, Woody Phillips, Joshua Powell, and John Frazier instituted a culture of self-dealing, mismanagement, and negligent oversight at the NRA that was illegal oppressive and fraudulent that's right with gun sales at a record gun sales are a record high right now and it makes perfectly understandable sense with all the rioting and lawlessness and the democrats talking about defunding the police here comes letitia james and now the lawsuit against the nra in new york state When's the last time you heard anybody talking about the NRA, even Democrats? I mean, it's not on their radar. I mean, always the Second Amendment's always there, but they got some distractions in their way. This was a huge letdown for the drive-by media. They were convinced that she was going to announce some case against Trump, I think, as 
usual were being played, were being manipulated by the Democrats and their their friends, their buddies in the media. So I, I think this going after the NRA has something other than going after the NRA to it. I, they're serious. I mean, the baby is serious about going after the NRA because they hate the NRA. But it's not going to stop people from buying guns. But the bottom line is they didn't go after Trump, did they? She let everybody think that's what was going to be announced and not a word was said about it. By the way, wouldn't you say that Antifa, the rioters, Black Lives Matter, are they not making a case for the NRA? Why do you think people are arming up? Why do you think people are buying guns left and right? Democrats want to defund the cops and people believe they mean it. That's something, Democrats, you'd better figure something out fast, Democrats. You start talking about this nonsense, you know, you think you're just playing to your Twitter base, but Twitter is not America. Twitter is not even close to being American in terms of majority, and you think the majority of Americans want to get rid of the cops? How does that jive with people going out and buying guns left and right? We've got more people buying guns for the first time than ever before in this country. And it's going to continue because the destabilization of America continues, which is why we have to have trusted voices. And Buck Sexton is a guest host alum of this program. He pays a lot of attention to what's happening in this country, including the massive federal government spending happening now, what that means for the future. Buck, please take it from here. Thanks, Todd. When I was able to guest host this program several years ago, gold and silver prices were much lower. Look, an ounce of gold was below $1,300. Today, it's in the range of $1,830, and it's likely to continue going up. It's a stable currency in limited supply. The gold and silver I own comes from Oxford Gold Group, a newer sponsor welcomed here to the EIB network. It's one I've trusted and relied upon for years now. Their customer service is top-notch and honest. They answer all my questions thoroughly. Just last week, they posed a question our way. Did you know that about 20% of all U.S. dollars were created in 2020? What do you think the effect of all those newly printed dollars will lead to? Well, probably inflation, right? It's not going to make the dollars more valuable, that's for sure. In the past, people have purchased gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. That's because gold and silver have increased in value as the purchasing power of the dollar declines. Buying real gold and silver, I'm talking about the kind you can actually hold in your hands, is much easier than you think. And you can have it delivered securely and privately to your home. It's just as easy to put real gold and silver in your IRA or 401k. So if you're concerned, like I am, about the value of the dollar and the fact that it's probably going to decrease, call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-404-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals. They offer real gold and silver for the lowest prices, and they have a free precious metals investment guide they can send to you. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-404-GOLD. That's 833-404-G-O-L-D. They'll answer all your questions and send you their precious metals investment guide. Call the Oxford Gold Group, 833-404-GOLD, 833-404-GOLD. And thanks, Todd, for allowing me to join you today. It's been a terrific day with you. Thank you. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. One of my favorite statistics about America, we're 5% of the world's population. We've taken in 20% of the world's displaced peoples. And those people who were taken in, unless they are in Congress, and you know who I mean, 
are very grateful for that, and they make the, the very most of what it is to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. So many people and happiness. In, in our EIB high note today, it's about overcoming great odds. And in 2017, Tani Adewumi and his family fled Nigeria as refugees to escape attacks on Christian families like theirs. And they lived in a homeless shelter in Manhattan. With the help of a local pastor, Tani and his brother started attending school where they were first exposed to the game of chess. They played together in the shelter, and Tawny quickly rose to the level of chess national master, making him the 28th youngest person to achieve such a title in the States. I got into it when my brother, he started teaching me chess, but he didn't teach me the right rules. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. Absolutely. Hey, something that uh, Team AB tells me Rush would have loved about this is that uh, when Tawny first completed his first tournament, he got the lowest score of anyone, and he could have fallen back on a lot of excuses, but he didn't. He kept working all while living in a homeless shelter. And one year later, he took home the state championship trophy after beating 73 of New York's best players in grades K through 3. Way to go, Tawny. Way to go, America. We continue to be the lifeboat of the world, which is why flooding the lifeboat is an act of cruelty. It's not an act of kindness. Let's talk to Jeff in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. Jeff, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman, your guide host this week. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Todd. I appreciate you taking my call. Um, first, I'd like to thank everyone at the Abbey for continuing to honor Rush daily. Um, he was quite a man, and um, he's going to live on quite some time. And, and we need him now more than ever. Thank you. Um, my question um, was, and I heard Bo speak um, early in the show, and it's very emotional. I think it's emotional for all of us. But um, was to you and to other guest hosts, um, hopefully you all can touch base at some point, but what was it like to get the call when they say, hey, Rush would like you to guest host? Oh, well, gosh, I will tell you, um, I think God gives us hints of things. And this could sound incredibly self-serving. I had had this strange feeling that very important people were listening to my radio show in Seattle, beyond my very important listeners, or without which it wouldn't exist. And I just put that feeling aside. Oh, it's it's you know, it's a feeling. And then my program director brought me into his office one day, and those are always fun things in radio. You know, it's Friday at four thirty. Hey, Todd, could I have you come into my office Friday at four thirty? Go ahead and bring all your personal items. And so, so I walk in and. I sit down, and my program director looks at me in the eye and goes, do you have any interest in filling in for Rush Limbaugh? And imagine my biological reaction. It was all the air left my body, all of it. And I remember feeling very dizzy, and I'm like, <gasps> inhaling and saying, yes, I, I, I do. And then the funniest thing happened is I got a call from a gentleman named Craig who works on the program. And he and I visited, and then he said, you're going to get a call from a guy named James Golden. And that was sort of the process. And, and then after James and I visited, whom you know as Bo Snurdly, James and I realized we knew each other from way back. Uh, back in the internet radio days, we had met. And it came this full circle moment. I'll tell you this, Jeff, that, that you'll hear me say, and I hope you guys know, I couldn't be more professionally honored. Uh, I don't want to get teary-eyed because we did that earlier. Even as a radio host, a mentor from afar, 
the things that I did in life that that professionally mattered were because Rush gave me the bravery. Um, his saying, never let those who didn't tell you you can't. It was fundamental in changing my view of life and to what degree I was willing to put myself in uncomfortable circumstances to gain these results. So that was my experience. And then, by the way, sometime we'll tell a story. I, I, this, I never... I, it's Russia's show. It will always be. Don't want to make it about me. I'll tell you this. The first time the, the bumper music ran, I thought I was, had it all together until I heard Russia's music ran. I, oh, my gosh. I expect, kept expecting someone to come in and go, oh, we, we didn't know you were that guy from Spokane. Get out of here. By the way, my story is nothing in comparison to the podcast we premiered today. You can get it at RushLimbaugh.com. It's Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone put together by a lot of people, sponsored by Tunnel to Towers Foundation and MyPillow, and James Golden, Bo Snurdly, has put that together. you got to go to RushLimbaugh.com and get that. We'll wrap the show up when we come back. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network. It's been a great and I think groundbreaking day to hear the uh, podcast series that's coming out about Rush. I'm excited to get the whole series. In the um, discussion we had with James Golden, whom you know is Bo Snurdly, he made the point that Rush, when he came in to tell the team that um, he had been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer, that he seemed relaxed. And they also played a clip of Rush saying, I've had this personal relationship with my creator all these years. And he said it's something he didn't proselytize, but Rush said, man, I've been working that connection. Um, such thing as, as having an idea of where you're going. It is a settling thought. Uh, it's not why... For me, speaking of my faith, it's not why I'm a Christian. It's just it's part and parcel of that. It also plays, though, to how this show can so easily take Russia's wisdom and apply it to today's news. Because Rush Limbaugh operated from a grounding of concrete principles. Respect for God. Human psychology. Rush could have been a Ph.D. in that. And what government always wants to do, it always wants to grow. And because he had wisdom guided by experience. We'll see you tomorrow. Todd Herman for the whole team at the EIB Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels 
challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.